Hello everybody and welcome to a podcast of Biblical Proportions. Episode 32, here comes Joseph. We have now gotten to the last hero of Genesis, Yosef, Joseph, the favorite son of Jacob, with his coat of many colors, with his megalomaniac dreams prophesizing how his family would bow down to him, which made his brothers jealous and spiteful, so they assaulted him and sold him as a slave in Egypt. In this episode, we'll focus on this part of the story, before Joseph's rise to glory in Egypt. We'll explore the peculiar character of Joseph, the absence of deities, and the new method of divine prophecy via dreams, a method that sadly did not catch on. Let's dive in. Hi, Omri. Hi, Gil. <laughs> okay, so what's like, your first takeaway, your main takeaway from this part of Joseph's story? Besides the nice story in itself, uh, I think there's uh, some kind, like you said in the intro, some kind of a path of prophecy a that path. is uh, a craft not explored after the Joseph stories and didn't uh, catch up the fact that God communicates not directly with the prophet or with the father figure like we had up till now, Abraham and uh, Jacob, etc. But God inspires or sending hints through dreams. Either his dreams or other people's dreams we're going to see yeah, later. Yeah, later there are other people's dreams, but here it's God sends a message to Joseph, and he doesn't even say God sends a message. It's just Joseph dreams of a dream, and he doesn't even interpret the dream himself. It's automatically interpreted <laughs> by the other characters. By the other guy, yeah. So the image we have in our minds, or even the minds of the people back then who listened to these stories of the prophet that speaks with God or in the strange language, speaking in tongues, mm. doing something physical that has a connection directly with the deity. Here it's not a direct connection. The deity is not present, and you only interpret the deity's wishes. So here the deity speaks in dreams, only through dreams, not directly to the prophet. And it's kind of a, I don't know, maybe it was a kind of a style of prophecy that was abandoned or even suppressed, I don't know. And here it's just a literary tool, maybe. Maybe it's just only a literary tool and not some kind of a prophecy, but it's nice to think about it like that. And also, so I, I read it over and over and over and over this part. I'm looking at it now. I don't think there is one mention of any deity. Not in this story, no. Not in this story. Yeah, no. So he dreams dreams. I'm going to mention the dreams, prophecy dreams. Just dreams them. And everybody understands the, the prophecy. No deity whatsoever. I find that uh, interesting. And this whole part of the story is basically a short setup for the real story about Joseph that will come later in Egypt. Yeah. This reads like a small chapter. It, it looks like a separate scroll because it starts with when and where we are and these are the generations of yeah. Joseph and so on and so on. So it, it seems like it was separate, like an origin story. Basically, it's written like an origin story. This is maybe how we should read this part of the story about the humble beginnings of the great Joseph. Before we get to know Joseph a little bit uh, better in the other stories when he's in Egypt, here we see only a boy with almost no character, maybe on the spectrum of yeah. autism, maybe. Yeah, a little bit. Maybe kind of autistic savant, <laughs> maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, naive, very naive. Yeah, naive. Unaware of his surroundings because, and he's, you know, he's special. 
Yeah. And also says something about yeah. the autistic savant. He's, he's just special. So he just like comes up to his brothers. Uh, yeah. Hey, listen to my to my yeah. dream. I have a dream that you all bow to me. <laughs> yeah, and he just like doesn't notice or acknowledge in any way that uh, it you creates know. human <laughs> problems like and jealousy and uh, fear yeah. or whatever. We were immediately told he's the favorite son. And <laughs> it's like a reverse uh, Mark of Cain. Yeah. Like his dad gives him like the special coat of many colors to distinguish him from all his other brothers, brothers that have like uh, inherent rivalry mm-hmm. because they have different mothers. Yeah. So just like you add on to that. They have inherent rivalry and rivalry over inheritance also. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and then you are marked as the yeah, favored the uh, son. Ah. I don't know what kind of education Jacob was... Uh, I don't know uh, what Jacob was expecting, of course. <laughs> uh, he, he will be bullied by his uh, brothers. So, uh, what's your take on the coat of many colors outside of that? First of all, the word that you use here is kotonet, kutonet, ktonet. It's uh, pronounced or written different in the many different ways. Mm-hmm. The word itself, kutonet, for our English-speaking audience... Reminds you probably of the word cotton, and you are right. Cotton comes from the Arabic word for kutonet, kutini, or whatever, I don't remember, which is also based on Akkadian word. Mm. Later in the Bible, it appears usually when speaking about a special garment that uh, a priest is, uh, is uh, putting on himself. So it's not like simla, like a robe. Yeah, it's Have... not the usual word that you use for a dr- something that you put on yourself, a dress. Yes. They use simla which is kind of a robe that you imagine yeah. for uh, desert people, yeah. <laughs> ancient desert people. Here is like a kutonet. It's kind of like a pyjama maybe. It has yeah. stripes. Yeah, so I think this is, just, I don't know. But uh, there are several uh, plays here with uh, Joseph's name, Yosef. Mm. It means adding. Mm. So his brothers, no, they not only hate him, they even add adding more hate and yeah. more hate by Yosifu yeah. to hate him. Yeah. And they... Uh, so there's like plays of, in, uh, of his name. So maybe in Hebrew, the uh, robe, the dress of many colors, whatever, the garment of many colors, the coat of many colors yeah. is kutonet pasim. Yeah. First of all, that's nice. It's short, kutonet yeah. pasim, just two words. Pasim is not many colors. It's more like stripes. Yeah, it's just striped. Yeah. But if it's also pasim. The le- it's like you have the inverse of Yosef mm-hmm. pasim. So maybe just like a play yeah, yeah, on, yeah. on that name because, you know, uh, they like to, you know, uh, play around with the names and uh, referencing earlier things and stuff yeah. like that. Scholars believe that the Joseph stories were probably written by the same source slash person maybe. Mm-hmm. So here we see the literary recraftness of that person. Yes. There's many plays on words. And maybe even the stripes, not only it's the name of Joseph in inverse, it's the opposite of his name. Maybe there's some kind of a cultural significance to the fact that there's the stripes. It's not only just white or off-white. There's some kind of a handcrafted something that you put into that kutonet, that dress. That, uh, so it immediately for the audience is like, ah, stripes. Maybe it was even some kind of a significant... Banner or not banner or some kind of an image that the audience will say, ah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a special kind of dress. Yeah. 
So we were mentioning that uh, the DT is missing, but there are actually several references in the dreams to DTs, but just like not the DTs <laughs> that you're supposed to yeah. reference. So like Elohim, Yahweh, no, they're not here at all. I'm going to see in the, in the other parts of the story that Joseph is kind of Egyptianized. So here in his first dreams, he sees a sheaths, Alumot, Olmim mm-hmm. Alumot, sheaths that are bowing to Matseva. Yeah. We've seen the Matseva before. That's yeah. like the, the upright uh, stone that was yeah. used for pagan uh, practices all over the region. For, yeah. For, a, a re- a, I, again, with the word pagan. <laughs> yes. A pre-Jewish. Yeah, yeah pre-centralized Jewish, yes. ritualistic in a temple with uh, monotheistic yes. vibes. Yes. Pre-monotheistic. Yeah. Something yes, yes. ancient. Yes. Like the something... people did. Yes. And in the second dream, you have the sun and the moon and the stars that are bowing. And we've mentioned it. The sun, Shemesh, yeah. Shamash, Shamsh, yeah. the god of the sun, yeah. moon. It's the god Sin, mm-hmm. a proto-monotheistic god from uh, yeah. Mesopotamia, both referenced uh, in uh, Genesis. Now they are bowing. Yeah. So it's not... So it's like figuratively, the father and the mother, they also bow, not only the 11 yeah. stars, the 11 other tribes, but yeah. also the God. Because let's, let's spend a moment to talk about the megalomania <laughs> of these dreams and of this story in general. If we say that a person wrote it, and maybe that person either knew his audience or wrote from inside of his own fantasies and imagination... Maybe there's some kind of a megalomaniac author here mm-hmm. or an author that knows his audience and he really wants to pander to them. So there's a character that everybody, even old gods and the other tribes, quote unquote, we talked about it, that it's a misleading uh, yeah. name, tribes. People from other origins or other places with different fathers also bowing to that father figure of yes. we said. His children are Menashe and Ephraim, prominent, quote-unquote, tribes of yes. the area. So it was either a fantasy by the author that imagining that he will rise to prominence, maybe he wasn't that prominent in his lifetime, or that he really knows his audience and tried to pander to the Ephraim and Menashe nobles who are gathering and listening to that story. Yeah, because let, just like let's let's uh, call it what it is. This is a boy who is dreaming that everybody bows down to him with no reason that like we're there's nothing special about him right now. Yeah, <laughs> and as he's you know, and also we hear that he's snitching on some of his brothers. Yeah. This is nice. We still use it. Yeah. To when you defame be, someone. Yeah. When you prosecute somebody, when you sue somebody for defamation, you're suing them on Diba. Uh, like the coming out of the defamation, yeah. whatever. It's nice. So it's like Diba. Yeah, and, th- and then it's also like bad. Yeah. <laughs> like the bad defamation. Like yeah. It's emphasized that he's snitching and he doesn't understand. Like, and we're not told why. So we see him, and he just so this guy is just uh, oblivious. Then he's, uh, he's naive, safe. yeah. He just uh, tells the, that he's oblivious of human connections and emotions. Yes. That's why we suspect that uh, he's maybe on the spectrum. Maybe his yeah. author was on the spectrum. Maybe, maybe. There's no, he has no agency here in this no, part, in this part no. of the story. He just like dreams, dreams, tells everybody. His dad is also mad at him. Why do you think I'm going to bow down to you as well? Hey, what? 
and then they they added more hate yeah. <laughs> added on <laughs> more hate and the way before so they assault him they put him in a hole right so when they see him this is this is a very nice uh, part of the of the story mm-hmm. and they said the yeah, person nice. to his brother here is this dreamer coming on and then let's go and kill him and we'll throw in one of the pits and we'll say that an evil animal has eaten him then we'll see what kind yeah. of dreams he's gonna have this, where are your dreams now this, you say it like this and it's, it's like funny but uh, it actually sounds like a very street like sentencing here here uh, that uh, dreamer of dreams comes here can you can yeah. imagine like gang members in the 50s with the grease in their hairs uh, standing next uh, to a wall or something after school right. and then yeah. they see this geek and they say <laughs> oh, here the the good calculator good uh, he calculates good uh, well here's the you know it, it sounds street and oh, it sounds street colloquially very colloquially you can imagine in modern day hebrew israelis will say to somebody here comes that uh, not halaze right but ze, halaze. Yeah. so i i think you are onto something here because there is a contrast between this part when they are talking and, and, and between when Joseph is explaining yeah. his dreams well and he speaks you know literally and nice and it's all nice and they're like well now let's see what kind of dreams you're gonna have it's just like it you under, like you feel the scene yeah you feel the difference between mm-hmm. the different characters yeah and later when the same uh, when they say to him uh, now let's see what kind of dreams you will dream it's uh, you know you can imagine like a high school scene yes <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. And they threw him in the pit. <laughs> and it's a waterless pit. Because I guess if it's not waterless, maybe it's a well. So just yeah, like yeah. to mention that it's not... Uh, that. Yeah. And then he's sold to... We're going to go through uh, b- b- several co- really cool parts of the story in a minute and the differences in the translation. But this is uh, a nice point. So they sell him to the Ishmaelite uh, caravans. And we couldn't understand in Hebrew what they're carrying. Nachaot utzarei valot, whatever it is. Yeah. I have no idea. But <laughs> in the King James translation, they're bearing spicery and balm and mir, carrying it to mm. Egypt. I have no idea what mir means. Spicery and balm. So that's nice. That's what uh, the Ishmaelites are uh, are carrying. And they sell Joseph. That, that's what the writers of that story thought about the Ishmaelites. Uh, the caravan guys. The guys with the caravan that sell stuff. You know, the, 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 the Arabs. So they sell him for 20 pieces of silver. And in the Septuagint uh, translation, mm-hmm. which is earlier than the version we have, It was for 30 pieces of silver. So yeah. we know that there were several uh, versions there. One of them was 30 pieces of silver. Yeah. What does that sound to you like? I have no idea. I'm not Christian. <laughs> yeah, it's funny and it's kind of telling because in the Jewish perception, because the people who wrote the Jesus stories were Jewish, the reference for the 30 pieces of silver is a direct refer- reference to this story. And it means that for them, the moral of the story or the way that they remember the overall theme of the story is betrayal. That's the story. His brother betrayed him. His brothers betrayed him. Maybe that's the way that the author intended that story to be. It's a story about betrayal. And it tells the audience, brother. a brotherly betrayal. Yeah. It, it tells the audience 
some kind of an explanation about the reality that they are living in to why Menashe and Ephraim are more prominent than the other quote-unquote tribes who are already in the time that this story was written were destroyed yes. by the Assyrians. And that's an, uh, one thing about that. Joseph and the 20 pieces of silver, 30 pieces of silver, this stuff is only important for a handful of people who are really taking these stories seriously. Okay, just a second for our non-Christian uh, listeners. We're talking about Judas betraying uh, Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. It's like an, an iconic sum. Here it's 20 pieces of silver, but in other versions it's 30 pieces of silver. Go. The details are not important for the regular person. It's only important for people who take the, that stories too seriously. And maybe the people who got hold of that stories much later after the fact, you can see why they're taking every quote and every detail seriously because the text yes. is no longer... Yeah, and it's no longer just a play and just a story. It's a holy text. So there's an important... Every word is important. But for people who listen to that story in real time, the real time I mean the time that it was written and for a specific kind of audience. The details are, the people are surrounding them in the farms and in the stools and in the army and whatever. 99% of the people, they didn't even maybe know, knew Joseph or they didn't even care that it was 20 silver, 30 silver, silver his, the name of his brothers. It's only details who are people, we talked about it in the previous episode, people who like imagine WWE, but they take that WWE too seriously. Or imagine a, a comic book about a superhero, which is kind of like American mythology, but they take it too seriously. They actually believe and they actually, it's important for them that in the first issue of Superman, he gave $1 and not $2 and, you know, yes. that kind of details because they, they take that too <laughs> seriously. So let's go away a little bit over the story. So it starts that and Yaakov sat in the land of his father in the land of Canaan. And in English, in the King James Version, wherein his father was a stranger in the land of Canaan. I, I don't see that word yeah, yeah, in Hebrew. Yeah. No. It's, it's just not there. Yeah. Okay. And then so I said that he snitched on his brother. He snitched on his brother's who were sons of the concubines. He mm. didn't snitch uh, on the sons of Leah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, it's so it's like a half snitch. Yeah. <laughs> a snee. <laughs> uh, and in English, it's really nice. Joseph brought unto his father their evil report. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so then he meets a person, right? He's sent to, by, by Jacob to find his brothers right before they're going to yeah. assault him. And he just encounters a, a person. Yeah, which is a very famous trope, especially in those traditions, especially in Genesis. We saw that in the Jacob stories, Ish, maybe it was Ish Elohim, Ish El, maybe even an, yeah. something, something else. Yeah, redacted but, yeah, into redacted. just person. Yeah, just person. Just say Ish, but it's probably a holy person or yes. a manifestation of the deity. Yes, because he comes in and says, what do you ask? So even the language, it's mm. not like, uh, can I help you yeah. or something? What do you ask? Yeah. What are your wishes? What are your wishes? Exactly. And then he says, just like the way that it's phrased. And he says, right, uh, mm -hmm. My brothers 
I ask, I wish. Yeah. yeah. So this is maybe reference to the end when he's getting uh, his brothers uh, back in Egypt. Hmm? Said, uh, tell me, where do they herd? Mm-hmm. And you mentioned it, the punctuation that tells you the exact way to pronounce every word that comes like Much hundreds of years later, right? Years. Yeah. So there is this thing we talked about a little bit in the Meanwhile in Mesopotamia episode that in the cuneiform, uh, not alphabet, uh, writing system, there is a thing we display on words because each cuneiform can mean several different things depending how you read it. Mm-hmm. And then you have display on words. So, efohem ro'im, in Hebrew, if you just like, ignore the punctuation, it could be efohem ra'im. Where are they evil? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it was just supposed to be a play on they are hurting, but also a hint, mm-hmm, they are evil. That is a very... Plausible. Plausible possibility. And it can be also a completely coincidence. Yes, it's good. Because it's the word for Roim sound... The word for Roim... Herding. Herding is written with the same letters as Raim. And uh, there's no real phonetic letters in Hebrew and ancient Hebrew. We only count on the punctuation, which comes much, much, much later. So yeah, I'd like to be. think that it's yeah. a literary wink. It could, it well may, could may, well <laughs> being, well may be. And then, sure enough, right away they are evil. They see him from afar, and This is very, very nice. In English, they conspired against him to slay him, but conspired is itnaklu. It's just a little bit conspiring, a little bit bully, bullying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, uh, it's to pick on, to little, pick yeah, on, but it's yeah. more in the modern way that we use that word. That's why it, it sounds nice when you hear it because you immediately imagine an uh, author that has like uh, a bookshelf behind him with uh, dictionaries from here until uh, the top of the bookshelf, and he pe- picked that word specifically in a clue. I don't know. It could be. But uh, maybe that's the way that in modern Hebrew it means like that. But maybe the King James Bible who is based on the Septuagintary Volgata, whatever. No, conspired. It's a, it's, a, yeah. it's a fine translation. Yeah, yeah. The way that I'm seeing it, we can see it's not linear, a linear uh, progression of mm. the use of language. But generally speaking, it gets better yeah, and yeah, more yeah, literary. Yeah. And this yeah. is the most literary story, yeah, yeah, yeah. the stories of Joseph. Yeah. You could see it getting better, so it seems to be just it's like very another possible. way yeah. to very the craft. Yeah. And as if he's inventing uh, words and, and expressions mm. here. Because this is... 500 years after the invention of the alphabet. Yeah. How long did they have their alphabet? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then in comes, as, as he's thrown to the pit, we mentioned in the previous episode, in comes Reuven, saves yeah. Joseph from their hands, and no, we will not hit this soul. Don't spill blood. Throw him in the hole, <laughs> in the desert, because in the... Because the story was that he was in the hole. Yeah. So he can't like completely save mm-hmm. him because he has to be in the hole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So just like, uh, because the... it's a later edition. Yeah. Later it's a later edition. edition so exactly. they can't change the plot entirely. The plot says it ha- he has to be in a hole <laughs> at some point. So Ruben, Reuven, Reuven can't really save him. So then they take the robe, uh, they strip him of the robe and the way that it's phrased, it's just like, again, the, the, the nice uh, repetition that emphasizes uh, the three parts that emphasize the action. They took uh, his uh, garment 
his striped garment that he wore. Mm. It's like, uh, go forth from the land of his yeah. father, from the land which we were born. So just like the three times to emphasize the, the drama. Yeah. Which also tells us that it's an author that knows the audience. And the fact that it needed to be emphasized means that it's kind of a sig- signal to the audience that this is very important. Not dissimilar, we said it before in this podcast, to modern-day uh, Indian soap operas for television. It seems like the authors, <laughs> the, producer, the producers, their main fear is that the audience will not understand. <laughs> so when there's a huge drama, you know... I'm pregnant or I cheated on you with your brother. It's not enough just to say it. And then you accept, expect the audience to fill in the drama yes. inside their own imagination. No, you need like a close up, zoom in oh, to the music. facial expression. Yeah. Intense music. <laughs> and also yeah. the facial expressions, like the eyebrows yeah. are vibrating. Yeah, yeah. The <laughs> expressions are very, very telling. It's not like an understatement, no. uh, nuanced, uh, you know, uh, actor, studio, actor studio uh, yes. method, method acting. No. no, 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 no. So it's similar. So here there's another addition, uh, another later addition. So he's supposed to be sold and then, right, they, uh, they kill a boar, a goat, and uh, and then the smear the yeah. the garment with blood to to make it as if he was killed. Yeah. But before that happens, there is and Judah said to his brother, "Why would we kill our brother and then cover his blood? No, let's send him. Let's sell him to the Ishmaelites mm-hmm. so that we will uh, not be guilty of uh, mm-hmm. this uh, crime." And then again, it goes back to be like the entire brothers yeah. uh, together as one character. Yeah. So every time you have like this addition of a one specific character being better than the others, it's like, okay, now, nah, yeah. come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on. It's, it's probably just to make the Judeans who listen to the story happy, or it was a much, 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 much later addition to explain theologically why Judah was the prominent one, because his name was the name of the main kingdom, basically. In which yeah, the in righteous that, one, the righteous, yeah, yes, yes, yeah, that so, could be, that could be, yeah. And then again, uh, Reuven comes in after there was <laughs> after he was sold. Uh, Joseph, no reason why he wouldn't be there in the first place. He coming in and said, "Oh no, my goodness, he's not uh, Joseph. He's not in the in the hole, and he strips away his garments, and uh, he's coming. Ah, what did you do? What did you do? So he's not guilty. Yeah, he strips away in gar- his garments, which is the ancient literary way of doing. Uh, Intense zoom in on his face <laughs> with intense, like you see in closed captions for yes, uh, yes. For, the, for the hearing impaired. Yes. Yeah. Music intensified. Yes, exactly. Indian music intensified. <laughs> Ancient Hebrew music intensified. So then it becomes so sad because they come back to their father. And again, as we've seen here, when people sin, then they lie about the sin. It's like uh, Jacob with uh, his dad mm. and not only did he pretend to be his brother he lied about it over and over and over again so yeah. here it is now done to him what uh, he has done they come in they give him the the garment and they said we found this please see if you know this mm-hmm. is this your sons they know that this yeah. is uh, their sons but as if ah, oh my goodness what is this and then Vaikra Yaakov Simlotav he he uh, tore up his robe, yeah. puts uh, a sack, a bag, yeah, a bag on his hips, and he mourns his brother, his son, 
many days and yeah. all his sons and daughters already rise from the morning and try to comfort him but he would would not conform and he would go down Sheola yeah this is like the underworld yeah it's a Canaanite uh, tradition uh, ancient Canaanite tradition the Sheol it mentioned a couple of times in the Bible it's the underworld but not hell more like Hades or something like that it's so, a, so a place when you go, go when you die but not necessarily because he did bad things yes So he will go down to his grave mourning, yeah, yeah. is what it says. And then in case you didn't understand, Vayivech Oto Avim. His father cried yeah, yeah, for yeah. him, Vayivech. Yeah. Remember that verb? It comes, we already mentioned yeah. it several times. It's going to yeah. come back uh, even later. So, so the author not only wanted the audience to know that Jacob is really, really, really sad because he really, really, really loved Jacob. Joseph, but he wanted the audience to know that Jacob had nothing to do with the fact that his son was betrayed and killed. He had nothing to do even remotely. <laughs> right. And just like to see at the refer- again, uh, the references for this writer, is there's nothing Jewish, Hebrew, no, no, nothing. No. This is like uh, the larger Near East. Just like in general. Yeah, or maybe I, I thought about it r- right now. Maybe it's even some kind of a Greek way of thinking, maybe. Because there's some kind of a, there's some kind of a prehistorical, quote-unquote, scene that changes the plot and creates something that will inevitably, inevitably <laughs> will happen, yes. even though you wanted it to. Not yes. to happen, for example, <laughs> throwing out you uh, Edipus to the desert for him to die because you heard uh, a prophecy that your son will kill you, and then mm. he becomes a prominent man, yes, and kills you anyway, yes. so here, so here it's like they did something because they didn't want to bow yeah, down to because, him. yeah, and that's why you are now more prominent or you are yes. now in exile or et cetera, et cetera, right. et cetera. Yeah. And in, in this way it also... It's inevitable. That's inevitable. A, yeah, it's inevitable. It's like something... Um, it, it, it requires a belief in fate. And that is something we'll ah. see later in, when we reach Deuteronomy and people who are actually practicing Israelites, okay. they didn't believe... necessarily yeah. in faith and no. they didn't believe that the sins of your father carry weight in present day and here we see that sort of uh it's the opposite yeah so right. that way of thinking yeah and J- joseph is one of the of of the last i think stories written yeah in the bible yeah. according to what i know yeah if not even the last so this this is all the previous stories up to now they had some layer of of darkness of the soul mm. in them even when good things were being portrayed yeah. you had something restless yeah, ominous. ominous something uncanny uh, yes and and this contradiction uh, worked we mentioned it here the clouds you, like as if the even when the you know bad things are happening yeah there's some uh, some some space yeah. I don't know, like the world... Some lightness. Some lightness, yes. Yeah, in terms of light and weight. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. So, the last sentence of this chapter, this is chapter 37 of Genesis, and then the Midianites, or the whatever, the Shemalites, here's the Midianites that, got the, that bought him, right, from his brothers. They sold him to Egypt. 
to Potifer, the Saris, the eunuch, the eunuch uh, Pharaoh's eunuch, the minister of the kitchens. Mm-hmm. To be continued. Yeah. To be continued. So we're now moving. <laughs> the set is moving to Egypt. Yeah. But before we're going to talk about uh, Joseph's rise in Egypt, we're going to want to understand uh, the context a little bit. Yeah. And do a meanwhile in uh, yeah. ancient Egypt yeah. episode. Yeah, I don't know if you know, Egypt is a country in mm-hmm. the northern uh, Africa place. Very, a very ancient country. Ancient. Yeah, yes. very, very many ancient. Things. Many, pyramids. many ancient things in, in yeah. pyramids. Pyramids and so, uh, yeah, pharaohs. Yeah, yeah. Mummies. And mummies mm-hmm. and sphinx. Okay, so now that we did meanwhile in Egypt. <laughs> so, no, we'll, we'll do the meanwhile in Egypt the same way we did the, the others. We're going to yeah. try to get into the minds. their minds, the way that they see the world, the way that they view the world, portray the world, what is important to them. And Circa the time frame that the authors of the Israelite stories yes. thought the timeline is, yes. for example, the 18th century BC. Yeah. Or Starting 17th, from, yeah. we're going to start from like whatever, prehistory all yeah. the way to 1700-ish BCE. Let's try to get into what the culture was like uh, yeah. all that time. Okay, so uh, be sure to follow us if you haven't, and we'll see you all next time. Bye, everybody. Bye.